Hello, and welcome to the Psycove Podcast, also known as the Science of the Covenant Podcast. This is a podcast where we will study the Bible, the biblical covenant, and its deeper meanings, especially in today's times. I would encourage you to follow along with your Bibles if you are able to do so. And if not, we ask that you make a note of the scriptures covered and read them at a later time or re-listen to this podcast when you are able to follow along with your Bible. This week, we continue with the topic of Systematic Principles of Prosperity, Part 2. Now, I will turn it over to my co-host. All right, we want to continue where we left off from the last uh, <clears throat> discourse that we gave. We are talking about the Systematic Principles of Prosperity. <clears throat> And what we were able to cover thus far was who gave the systematic principles of prosperity. And we kind of dealt with that last uh, discourse. And then today, we want to deal with where do we find the systematic principles of prosperity? We touched on it somewhat in our last discourse, but we are uh, concentrate more on the on on where to find them in this particular uh, session. So we'll be going to our Bibles to look at some scriptures that will be able to guide us through these particular principles that we can understand what the true principles. Of systematic prosperity are. And if you have your scripture, I want you to turn into Genesis. <clears throat> and we're going to look at some of the texts that we've already articulated, but we want to kind of probe into them <clears throat> some more. And as we do that, we can better understand these principles. The last <clears throat> time we dealt with them, we try to lay out the foundation of what systematic meant and what a principle meant and also what we meant by prosperity. So as we have dealt that, with that, uh, what we want to do in this part of our discourse is to go back to some of the same texts for which we have observed the reproductive and the species principles. So what we'll be contemplating is what we refer to as the species reproductive principles. And what do we mean by a species reproductive principle? Okay, as we have already discussed, it is a principle which has been given to us by our creator to bring forth more of the same kind. Furthermore, it is a part of all of our living forms of life. We both inherit, we both inherited it, and it is established as an entity of our being. Where do we find this principle? Now, according to scriptures, we find it in Genesis, and let's look at a 
few of the texts in Genesis 1:11, we find uh, this reproductive. Now here it says in Genesis 1:11, it says, "And Elohim said, Let the earth bring forth grass." the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And then we read in verse 12, it says, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, God, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and Elohim saw that it was good. Then we go down to verse 20 and said, and Elohim said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And verse 24 says, and Elohim said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And verse 28 says, and Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when we look at these uh, texts, these are some of the texts that tell us where to find these principles. And when we see that these principles are embedded, the Bible tells us they are embedded in the seed of both the plants and the creatures Elohim has created. So when we look at the world of uh, nature and we look at the zoological spheres of life, we see that they have seeds and these seeds have these principles embedded in them. So if that is so, let us at this juxtaposition refer to what we will call the seed principle. We want to look at the seed principle. However, we will call the seed principle the sperma principle. Now, sperma is a word that we get sperm from. Now, sperma is the Greek word for seed. It's like the Hebrew word for seed is zero, z, z, uh, xerox or, <clears throat> or, or zeros. But the Greek understanding and the word for seed is sperma. So what we'll be dealing with when we deal with the seed principle, we'll be dealing with the sperma principle, the sperma principle. Now in the sperma principle of both the botanical and the zoological spheres, there are two laws embedded in it. There's the law of kind, which refers to the type of species it is. And there is the law of reproduction, which refers to the amount of species there are. The sperma principle is responsible for the continual perpetuation of a given species. 
So what we can see here is that the sperma principle is responsible for bringing forth species like the nature as it has come from and to bring forth more or a quantity of the same kind. Isn't this what the prosperity is? To have in abundance possessions of material things of which we treasure. So we can see that prosperity is built into the fabric of the things Jehovah has created. And this juxtaposition, what we want to observe is the sperm of components, the sperm of components. Now, the sperm of components are the components around this <clears throat> the sperm of principle. So when we look at the principle, we also want to see the components which are a part of that principle. So in the explanation of the spermal principle, let us put it in a framework by which we can observe what we refer to as the surrounding stages of the seed. What we'll be observing is the surroundings of a seed in various aspects even though we view each aspect separately, in actuality, all exists simultaneously. Let us now consider the sperma components. Now we know the sperma principle is that everything reproduces after its kind, and not only reproduces after its kind, but it gives us much more of the kind that is being produced. So whenever we have a seed, the seed always gives us much more than that which we plant. So the sperma principle is in couch in what we call the sperma components. And we want to look at those components, okay? When we consider the sperma principle, and also the sperma components, we are defining what is that which surrounds the seed. For ages, the question has been asked, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Many would say that the chicken came first and the egg was laid later. However, we want to lay out a premise first, and then once having laid out a premise, then we can determine which came first, the chicken or the egg. But at this juxtaposition, we want to be able to look at the sea and its surroundings, which we call the sperma components. And we want to look at these components. And in doing so, let us use three examples to do so. We want to use these three examples. These examples will come from the plants, animals, and human beings, of which we will refer to as the botanical 
the zoological and the anthropological. Now the botan now the first one we'll deal with is the botanical sperma components. The botanical sperma components. In this principle, we can take any species of a plant and examine its components as to how it is designed and made. Let us take a tree, for example. When Elohim created a tree, he created the entire tree all at once. And in creating the entire tree at once, he also created the fruit. And when we, when we created the fruit, he also created the seed. So the components of a tree are the following. You have the tree, you have the fruit, and you have the seed, all of them together. Now let us examine what we call the zoological components. In this principle, we can take any species of animal and examine it, and we'll find that the components as to how it is designed and made has a certain process as well. Let us take a rabbit. When Elohim created the rabbit, he created the entire rabbit. Now when he dealt with, now when we deal with this concept, we must also understand that when he created a rabbit, the Bible didn't make it explicitly clear as to if he created the male and female at the same time, or he may have created both of them separately. The Bible doesn't really tell us. We can surmise and try to come up with an answer, but the Bible didn't say that he created the animals and then out of the side of the animals, he made the female like he did man. But what we do know in the male rabbit, there is a sperm, and in the female rabbit, there is an egg. When the sperm unites with the egg, they produce a fruit. So what we have is the following, a male rabbit sperm, the female rabbit egg, which produces the fruit of a rabbit. You see, when we talk about, when we talk about fruit, fruit, uh, in the Bible was not only limited to oranges or apples, but we have the fruit of plants. We have the fruit of animals. So when it talks about fruit, it's talking about that which is reproduced from living matter. And from that living matter, we get the fruit. So here we 
have seen two scenarios. Number one, the plant has the components and it has a seed and the seed is in the fruit. Now we have a rabbit or uh, now we have an animal and the animals cohabitate together and when they cohabitate together, they are able to share the sperm and the egg to produce a fruit of the species in which it is. So two of the differences of the botanical and the zoological are that the tree has everything in one unit, whereas in an animal, there are two units. Secondly, a plant has a seed in the fruit, whereas in an animal, the seed comes together with the egg to produce the fruit. Now let us deal with the anthropological. We call this the anthropological components. So we dealt <clears throat> we dealt with the botanical sperma components. We dealt with the zoological sperma components. So now we are dealing with the anthropological sperma components. In this principle, we can take any species of a human being and examine its components as to how it is designed and made. Let us take the first man who was created by Elohim, which was Adam. When Elohim created him, he was a grown man from the start. He created him in a different process than plants and animals. And in doing so, we find that man not only had a woman that came forth from him, but also a part of him was his creator's spirit, man, and shape. Consequently, when Elohim said, let us make man in our image, that gave him a special creation that was above and beyond anything that he created. For we must understand that whatever Elohim creates, he is greater than his creation. So therefore, when he made man in his image, he made man to be able to reflect what, who he was. Therefore, the man became the paramount of his creation in the sense that he reflect his creator. So he made the man and the woman, and they both were fully grown and developed. And when they knew one another, their sperm and egg produced an offspring. So what we have is the following. We have Adam's sperm, Eve's egg, which equals or produces an offspring, and the offspring is the fruit of the union. Now, we can answer the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? So when we study the botanical, 
the zoological and the anthropological, what we see here is that when Elohim created the plant, both the plant, and so when we look at a tree, we see not only the tree, but, it, but within the tree, we have the fruit and the seed. It all came together. When we have an animal and they reproduce, the female has the egg, the male has the sperm. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? But they all came together. When we have man and he created Adam and Eve, they respectively had the sperm and the egg. So which came first, the chicken or the egg? They all came together. For if the seed and the sperm came together once they were married, then we have to come to the conclusion the only way that the seed and the egg came together is that when he made Adam and Eve, they both possessed their respective sperm and eggs. They were together. One did not precede the other. When Elohim made it, he made a reproduction of their being that was stored within the sperm and the egg in which they carried. So when we see that, we know that the egg didn't come before <clears throat> the person, and the person didn't come before the egg. Man didn't come before the sperm, and the sperm didn't come before the man. They all came together when he made the plants, when he made the animals, and when he made man. He made all of that together. He made the fruit, the tree, and the seed. He made the animal. He made the seed. And he made the fruit. When he made man, he made man, he made the seed, and he made the fruit. Every baby is the fruit of the seed of the union of the egg. Now we can answer the question which came first, the chicken or the egg? Neither came first, they all came simultaneously together. And the only reason why a lot of people say the chicken came late, the egg came later, is because when an animal or a human being, when they reproduce or a tree, they don't see the reproduction of that maybe until later. But even though it's later, it had to be in them in order that later it would come forth into being. So what we are understanding here is that those principles of what we call the sperma components is that all of it comes together. When Elohim makes living things, all of it comes together. Even though the offspring may not be manifested until later, but it's still there waiting to manifest itself. It's there. Now that we see that Elohim programmed into the plants, animals, and humans a seed by which they could reproduce more of the same kind, what we have examined is that within us is programmed 
by Elohim, the principles of prosperity. Most books we read on the accumulation of wealth and getting prosperity, we are either told how others got their wealth and what they did, or if we follow some formula, how we can become prosperous. Here, Elohim has put within us the living human document itself, the principles of prosperity. In other words, Elohim has made these principles are part of us. They are not something that we have to reach out for or travel a distance to get. Elohim said, I put these principles into you. They're in the flowers, they're in the trees, they're in the birds, they're in the bees, they're in the animals, they are in, in man. These principles of life are in us, those are prosperity principles within us. Since Elohim has placed <clears throat> these principles within the seed of each of us, we now want to examine the seed within us to see where the seed gets its power from. So the next principle we will re be referring to is what we call the Lagosian principle, the Lagosian principle. The Lagosian principle, the word Lagosian, is root word is Lagos. Now, if you have your Bible, we want to turn to the book of, uh, we want to turn to the book of John. We want to turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, what we want to do is look at John chapter 1, and also we want to look at verse number 1. So we're looking at John 1.1. 1, 1. And here we are told in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. And then verse 2, it said, the same was in the beginning with Elohim. So here we are, we are talking about two Elohims. We're talking about, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Okay, the Word was in the beginning. He said, and the word was with Elohim. So if you got a word and it's with Elohim, then you have to stop to think it's talking about more than one. Because if it's only one, one cannot be with one. But you have to have two or more in order for something to be with something else. So it is telling us that in the beginning was the word. So we established that. And then it says that the word was with Elohim, okay? The word was with Elohim. So it's establishing the fact that who or whatever the word was, it is saying that the word was Elohim, okay? So we know that the word is Elohim. And we also know it was more than one because when you say with, it has to be more than one. 
So he said the word was in the beginning and the word was with Elohim. And then it closes by saying, and the word was Elohim. Okay, so how can you be the word and with and was at the same time? Because it's two individuals. You have the father and the son here. In the beginning was the word and the word was with, okay? So if it said the word was with, then <clears throat> no doubt that was probably uh, the son and he was with Elohim. And then it turns around and said, and the word that was with Elohim was Elohim. Because <clears throat> what we're seeing in this verse is how can a word be Elohim and the father is Elohim because the father had a son. <clears throat> and when the father had a son, then if he came forth from the father and if the father was Elohim, he must be Elohim because according to the scriptures, it teaches us that the fruit or the seed that comes from any living matter reproduces after its kind. So if he came from the Father, he must reproduce after his kind. And so when we look at that, then we know that at least two persons is there. And then when it talks about the word, uh, we know that the word, according to the scriptures, is that when it came into existence, that the word says the Bible in verse 13 of the first chapter, it says, which was born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of Elohim. So we know that when the word was made flesh, that was Yeshua, the Messiah, coming to be with us who were flesh. So it says in verse two of John, the gospel in the first chapter, it says the same was in the beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. So when we go back to the beginning in the battle uh, sheath or in Genesis, it says in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. So we see in the beginning, when John says was the word, then that word was Elohim, which was in the beginning that made heaven and the earth. So let's look at the Lagosian principle. Lagos is the Greek word for the word in John 1.1. So if we were look at that in the Greek, we would say in the beginning was the Lagos, and the Lagos was with Elohim, and Elohim was the Lagos. And the word or the Lagos was Elohim. So what we are seeing here is when he speaks about Elohim being the word, he is not only telling us who Elohim and his son were, but he is also telling us that in order to have this universe and the world we live in, it took the word of Elohim and his son to bring it into being. 
So when we go all the way back to the bearer of sheath, all the way back to Genesis, we read where that in the creation of our earth and heaven, that they were spoken into existence. We are made from sound, the sound of the voice of the creators. This whole universe came into existence by sound, the vocal expressions of Elohim speaking. However, the thing that we want to point out is that it was Elohim speaking into the species of plants, animals, and humans, the seed in them. The seed would not be in them, would not it for Elohim speaking it into them. So when we think about the fact that plants, animals, and humans have seed, how did that seed get there? The seed get, got there because Elohim said, let there be. And when he spoke, that seed was in the plant, was in the animal, was in the human being when he spoke. He spoke that seed in there. That's how that seed got there. So at this juxtaposition, what we want to look at is, let us examine two basic things about the seed. Two basic things. The first basic thing we discover is that the seed represents the word. Okay. All right, let's see how that let's let's see how that how that works. The seed represents the word. Okay, now let's look at a couple of texts that verifies uh, what we are talking about. And these texts are basically the same text, but they are from different parts of the scriptures. Now, the first text that we want to look at, try to verify the seed, because see, the seed represents the word. When Elohim spoke that seed in there, then that seed began to re represent his word. So we want to look at the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read a couple of verses there because this is uh, it's very important, very important that we understand the seed because that is the principle of prosperity that will really help us to understand what true prosperity is. So we want to understand that. Okay, so here in Isaiah 40, we'll look at verses 6 through 8. Now here he says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower faded, because the spirit of Jehovah bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower, the flower faded, but the word of our Elohim shall stand forever. Okay. Now, we're going to take this same text and we're going to turn it over to, to Peter, 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, we want to look at uh, verses 23 to 25. 
Now, keep in mind what Isaiah was saying, because Peter's going to be saying the same thing, but in somewhat of a different manner. Now, here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 23 to 25. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of Elohim, which liveth and abideth forever. So what we're seeing here, he said, has two seeds. He said, has a corruptible seed, and there's an incorruptible seed. So he's comparing the word of Elohim with a seed. And he goes on to say, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof fadeth away. And then he goes on to say, when the flower is gone and it's, and it's withered and the grass is gone, he said, but the word of Jehovah endureth forever. Okay. The word of Jehovah endureth forever. Now, what is he saying? He is saying when we see the flowers and we see the trees and they begin to die and fall away, he said, but the incorruptible seed does not die and go away. Because let us remember that in order for the plant to be there, it took the word to speak it into existence. So even when the plant dies, the word still have life. The word would never die. The word was responsible for the plant. So it brought the plant into existence. But when the plant goes away, he said the word, the incorruptible word is still there. He said when the grass is gone, when, when it is withered and the flower faded away, he said, but the word of Jehovah endureth forever. Why does it endure forever? Because it comes from Elohim, and Elohim is eternal, and whatever comes from him is eternal. The word would always be. You can't destroy the word. The only way you can destroy the word is to destroy Elohim, and there's no power, there's no individual, there's nothing that can destroy him. So therefore, when he sent out his word, his word is forever, it's eternal. Now, what we are witnessing in these texts is that behind the fading, dying plants, which brought into being by the word of Yah, they may perish, but his word will, will not. Let us also notice what it is that Yeshua says about the word. And this brings us to focus on the second basic factor concerning the word. So the first basic factor of the word is, is that it that the seed represents the word. That's the first thing. Now we're going to look at this, the second basic factor about the seed or the word. Okay, and the second uh, thing, as we consider the word, we want to go to Matthew. We want to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we want to go to verses 17 and 18. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Okay, let's see what Elohim has to say about the word. The word spoke all existence into being. 
So everything that we see around us is backed up by the word. 17 and 18 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jolt or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Okay, so when he speaks in verse 17 and he says, I am not come to destroy the law or the prophets, we must understand that the law and the prophets are the word of Elohim. That's his word. He said, I didn't come to destroy that. He said, that's the word that comes from me that I've given to the prophets. And if I gave the law and to the prophets, I'm not going to destroy what I've given to them. He said, I didn't come to destroy this. I came to fulfill it. And he goes on to say, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jaw or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So no way, see, he, he's letting us know. Here he's pointing out that in order for his word to pass away, heaven and earth must first be destroyed because they are supported by the word. Okay. And that's the second basic factor that we are dealing with, is that the word is represented by the seed, but the word also supports the universe. It is a word that supports the seed. You wouldn't have no seed without the word. The word is behind the universe. The word is behind the seed. Here is pointing out in order for this world to pass away, we have to do away with heaven and earth first. Because it is the word that supports the heaven and earth. His word undergirds the entire universe. Therefore, before his word can be done away with, one must first do away with heaven and earth. So until heaven and earth is dismantled, his word will stand. His word will stand. Now that we know that the word both is represented by the seed and the word holds the universe together, let us now close with this portion because next portion what we want to do is to be able to probe more into this principle of prosperity and we want to look at the power of the seed of the word within us we've seen how the word holds the universe together we've seen how everything around us the plants and the animals and human beings come forth from the word, but Elohim has a word in us. And so on the next portion that we deal with, we want to deal with the uh, key to using the systematic principles of prosperity. You see, the systematic principles of prosperity is, is already in us, but we, we have to learn how to use the power of those principles within our lives to be able to accomplish the prosperity that Elohim would have us to accomplish. So we looked at the power of the seed of the word within us 
but we like to know the key of using that power. So we have looked at <clears throat> thus far who gave us the principles of prosperity. We looked at that. And today we uh, found out where we can find those principles of prosperity and they're read in that seed that he's put into us. And next week, we're gonna look at the key to them or the key of using the systematic principle of prosperity. So we wanna close here this week with that. And we may have some questions or some observations. And then next week, we'll continue where we have left off uh, this week. And we'll be endeavoring to go more into the key or the keys to using the systematic principles of prosperity. So we kind of open it up for a few observations or some dialogue or something that you have, may have discovered in the discourse or something that you may like to get a clarification on or something that you might just like to express because an idea may have come into your mind as we have spoke about these particular principles. You know, well, it, it's interesting that um, when you look at prosperity amongst the plants and the animals and even us as humans, it works, I, I should say, frontwards and backwards. Because uh, when you looked in years prior when people had farms, the, the thing they wanted most was as many children as they could have to help work the farm. Which until you, the more children you have to work the farm, the more hands you had to keep the animals, the more hands you had to produce more produce. Mm. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting that concept, it all works together to give you more prosperity mm -hmm. and whatnot. Then, yeah, I think that uh, concept that you brought out, I think that's uh, one of the Bible concepts. Also. I believe they got a scripture that says, blessed is he whose quiver is, is full. Yes, as you have articulated, is that they try to have large families because large families meant that you had more hands to be able to produce more. And furthermore, you had uh, enough people that if you got in trouble, you had uh, a defense, you had somebody to give you protection with a large family. So. Mm -hmm you can see the principles of prosperity uh, is really manifested in the family itself. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know, it's interesting too, how you brought out about the word that is like, I would say the fertilizer for everything, mm -hmm. you know, right. it just speaks and then it comes forth, mm -hmm. you know, just his words and that all of these things and all these principles are totally built into us already. So, you know, I'm interested in hearing next week the key to unlocking all of this, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, well, those, those keys going to un unlock, the, uh, and it's going to unlock a whole lot of things. And if people would learn to use these keys in their prosperity, they would be able to realize much more, perhaps, than they do now. But the interesting thing about them, a lot of people are working these principles, but they have no idea that they are working them. They, uh, they have discovered them some kind of a way. But what we're looking at is the science. And when you look at the science of the covenant, it, 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 it breaks it down 
as to uh, how these keys are going to work. And so we'll, we'll, we'll be touching on that next week. But what we want to be able to see is the potential in the word. And each one of us have that seed within us. And what, once we learn to tap into that seed, then prosperity will be there for us. But you know, too, I was just thinking uh, our conversations prior, how I think it was Booker T. Washington who worked with Ford Mm -hmm. and how he had the concept of the plant Mm -hmm. and how that ties into being prosperous and creating more cars in the plant. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You're correct because when Henry Ford got him, he was the one that gave him the concept of the plant. See, a lot of people call it a plant but they think about a company, but actually he got that concept from observing plants. Mm. And when he observed the plants, and then he was able to share that with Henry Ford and let him know that he could produce more than one car at a time. Mm-hmm. And that was a seed reproducing after this kind. But you know, it, it's funny too, uh, the reproduction after his kind, because when you look at everything, even in the prosperity is basically something that has been multiplied. Like if a person took their money to be prosperous in the stock market, they're investing in the stock market constantly to uh, reproduce Mm -hmm. and multiply their money. Or Mm -hmm. if it's something where they growing crops, they're growing enough to multiply their money. So it's like it applies to almost everything we do in life. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's a basic and a common principle that is, it, it pervades almost everything. I don't, I don't know. And this is why uh, when you deal with salvation, salvation deal a lot with math, mm-hmm. you know, the mathematical salvation, everything mm-hmm. reproduces. And uh, uh, as you pointed out last week, we, you know, we were talking about how people who don't even follow Elohim, if they follow the principles, they still, would be able to get get prosperity. Yes, yeah. Because when you read the story about uh, uh, Ishmael and you read about Jacob and Esau, uh, even though uh, Jacob was the son of promise and Isaac was the son of promise, but we find that uh, Abraham, he was also of the promise. But Ishmael, which was Hagar, even though he had a child by Hagar, uh, Ishmael was not, he was not, he, he, he was not a, he, Elohim did not make a covenant with him. He made it with Abraham, mm-hmm. but as it was still blessed, he was still blessed. And a lot of people could still be blessed, but they may not be a part of the covenant. And so what we're looking at is we're trying to get not only the blessing, but also be a part of the covenant. Yeah. Cause you, you know, um, now that you say that also when you think about because not only i believe that yahuwah blesses but also satan still blesses his people but the thing is he takes the same principles from the almighty Mm -hmm. to bless his people so it's basically just a clone Mm -hmm. and all and a lot of times, you know, I think we as people, we always wonder, you know, how come this evil person made it, you know, this wealthy or this prosperous? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, they're using the same principles that Elohim had already established. But yes, in, in other words, instead of using it for good, they're using it for evil. Yeah, well, that's what David, in Psalms 37, he, uh, David raised that question. He said, why does the, uh, <clears throat> he was saying, why does the evil man, in so many words, become prosperous and he spreads his wings or his, his wealth like a green bay tree and he was he was questioning why why are those who are not serving you seem to be more prosperous than i am and i'm serving you mm-hmm. you know but when you read the psalms you know he come to the conclusion that even though they do that he said they will soon be cut off mm-hmm. and when they are cut off he says also that he said i was young but now I'm old, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken or a seed bread bread. So what you're dealing with is, yeah, we both gonna get prosperity, mm-hmm. but one's prosperity gonna end up being cut off, but the other prosperity is gonna end with eternal existence. So that that being the difference. So we need not get all when we see people never you know, who don't want to serve Elohim being prosperous. David recognized we don't we don't have to be worried about that because. It's 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 gonna last for a while, but if after a while, it's they're gonna be cut off, and even their name is not gonna be even be heard of anymore. Mm. Wow. Now, for the listeners that may be listening and want to look up the word Lagosian, how do you spell that so our listeners will know? Okay, uh, it comes from the word Lagos, and uh, the word Lagos come from the Greek uh, Greek word and it's spelled L O G O S I A N. Okay, now Lagos, if you have a Bible concordance like uh, Young or the uh, I think they got two concordance out that's basically the young and strong. Yeah, young and strong. Uh-huh. You can look it up in their dictionary. Just look up the word word and they'll give you the Greek word, which is uh, Lagos. And the Lagosian is just the adjective form of the word. Okay. And that's all right. And uh to our listeners, uh, just a side note. Some of you may not be familiar with the term Elohim. Elohim is the pre is the I'm sorry. Elohim is the Hebrew name for God. Also, you may hear the terms of Yahuwah uh, referenced. That is also the Hebrew name of God, the father. And if you ever hear us say Yahusha, the Hamashiach, that's his son, Jesus, the Christ. So I just want to let you guys know. That uh, when you hear those words, those are, that is who we are referencing. Just in case you're used to the King James Version who use God, Jesus, and whatnot. Well, I would say that is our show for today. We want to encourage you to follow our podcast weekly. And as it states in the second chapter of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto Elohim, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Until next week, where we will continue 
The Systematic Principles of Prosperity, Part 3. We look forward to hearing from you. Shalom.